0: Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill.
1: No one likes hearing about tough love, but a couple weeks ago, one of the pastors of my church was talking about tough love. He said, you know, if you don't have anybody in your life who's actually far from Christ, you're not as close to God's heart as you think you are. I'm thinking, ouch, I'm Scott on SWS Radio. We're talking about cultivating those relationships with people that have serious doubts about faith, about God, or maybe don't even believe. We're talking with Preston Ulmer today at SWS Radio. How are you, Preston?
0: Hey, I'm doing great, Scott. It's really an honor to be on the show. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's wild because Jesus lived 33 years on earth, but his ministry only lasted about three of those years. But he spent a lot of his time, maybe even most of his time, cultivating relationships with people that didn't exactly identify with God. Or maybe they felt far from God. You know, he went against the cultural norms. I mean, even the 12 guys that he chose to be his disciples, they weren't exactly like the homecoming court from high school. (laughs) (laughs) True. You know, I honestly
0: think that the closer I find myself getting to people who don't know God, even if they consider themselves God haters, the closer I get to them, the closer I find myself getting to the heart of God. So I'm constantly challenged, Scott, because these people, obviously, they'll have critiques about the faith and those sort of things, but they have stories behind these objections that they have. And listening to them, I've just learned, man, that wins trust. And that says so much about our ability as Christians. So it has helped me grow in a hundred different ways.
1: You know, we can all be better problem solvers in our city, and we're talking about living out our beliefs with Preston Ulmer today at Swiss Radio. He's a pastor. He's a church planner. A while back, the Barna Group had this survey where they were asking all kinds of people what they thought about Christians and how Christians are perceived in this world. And let's just say the responses weren't exactly flattering. People were saying things like judgmental and hypocritical were two of the top reasons why they didn't want to be involved in church or why they didn't identify as... Christians themselves. But Preston, the public perception of how Jesus followers act and treat others, it needs to change because that's not God's heart. And honestly, it's not our heart either, is it? No. And the
0: reputation of Jesus in the community, I mean, more and more communities, you're just finding the reputation is more and more off. And so even in the doubters club, we just say it's a major win when we're training people to have these good faith conversations with people who don't think like them, whether they're starting a gathering or if they're just saying in my own relationship with the family, we say, you know, where you need to start is the impression. It's what you just mentioned. Like when the impression's off, it's going to be really hard for them to see you as trustworthy. So I think when it comes to discussing God, we try to say, Hey, we want to talk about like a Jesus looking God. We want to be really clear So we're adding definitions to the vocabulary that we're using, not assuming that we're all talking about the same thing. So I think the impression reputation of Jesus is everything.
1: I love when we as Jesus followers can contribute into the society that we live in. Rather than just complain about all the stuff that's wrong and all the social issues that we disagree with, when we can look at our zip code where our church actually serves and say, what are the needs in this zip code? Are there a lot of kids that aren't plugged into after school programs and that's causing a lot of crime? Or we notice the reason that a lot of the kids and the families are dysfunctional is because the dad isn't in the mix in this particular zip code? Or is it Just that the wages are low and parents are having to work like 70 hours a week at low paying jobs to just get by, but then the kids get lost in the shuffle. And we want to blame everything on somebody else. We want to blame it on economics and on problems or on businesses. But as Jesus followers, what if we actually ask those questions and say, how can our church step in and look at the issue there and be some problem solvers? I mean, wouldn't that bring more people to Jesus and also change all those perceptions?
0: It would. It would mean that we'd have to stop assuming that we know the problems or that the answer is getting them into a building. So we'd have to stop assuming that and we'd have to start engaging with people not like us who are in the middle of the mess and commit to them long-term regardless if they ever think like us. I feel like there's a few thresholds that we would have to cross if we can do that. If we can say, hey, I have no ulterior motive in this relationship. I want to serve the needs of these communities, but I got to learn from people who are outside of the walls of the church. I don't have to get them in the walls of the church. That's why we say over COVID, if we've learned anything, it's been the church literally cannot be a building. It has to be people. If we can do that, I think we'll see some major success. I don't think we'll move the needle though, Scott, if we're just in it for the short term so that we can serve them. We have to be in it for the long term to see that service change their lives and our lives over the long haul.
1: It's interesting, Preston. In Las Vegas, there's a group called the Mayor's Faith Initiative, and it started years ago from a bunch of pastors just talking to the city and saying, "How can we serve? Like, is there a way that our churches can serve better in the city?" And started by asking honest questions, but also being willing to do the things that the city said. You know what? Here's the needs we see. Would you step into this? Would you resource this? Would you help with this? Would you give towards this? Would you host this? Would you bring volunteers to this and we're able to sit down and talk to the mayor's office and say what do you see is the biggest social issues that haven't changed in 20 or 30 years and is there a way that we can better serve in that space and Our mayor, she said, yeah, actually, here's a few. And she outlined a bunch of issues based off the stats in Las Vegas, for example. And this would apply to Idaho or Montana or Southern California or Arizona as well, I think, if we ask our mayors these questions. But our mayor in Las Vegas said, the number one issue in Las Vegas that hasn't cracked and changed is addiction. And that affects so many other things. The second biggest issue is actually the breakdown of the family. And then jobs, homelessness, education are also big issues. Human trafficking is a messy issue. And then the whole idea of racial tension and police and community relations and things, those have been issues. But as we start talking about these other things, those have become less of an issue. And when our churches can sit there and say, how do we serve? and we'll give resources, we'll put people involved, we'll volunteer. Maybe we can start solving some problems together. And you find that the city and the schools are, And the police department are totally willing to work with us in years past. Maybe there were more roadblocks, but when they can point back to their bosses and they can point back to other politicians who are saying, hey, why is the church involved in this? And they say, because they're getting results, because they actually help, because they actually contribute, and they'll vouch for us even if they don't believe what we believe.
0: Oh, yeah. So I think that if we're serving the community, we're winning trust, And I think if we're winning trust, then we're changing the reputation of Jesus. So you can't work those things backwards. And if we're able to, like you said, talk to the mayor, talk to local nonprofit, for-profit leaders, all those sorts of things. what it requires is that we're willing to consistently get in the same space and dialogue with people that are not like us and say, okay. And now from a Christian perspective, we would say, how do we imitate Christ together? That would probably be the language we would use. But what we're actually saying to everyone who'd be listening that, you know, may not identify as Christian is, how do we fight for the common good together, and what is the common good? And if we're on mission, I think that we can do it, and in the process, it gains more and more clarity who God is, and that He, in fact, does look like the Jesus of the text.
1: Now, Preston, you wrote a book called The Doubters Club, Good Faith Conversations with Skeptics, Atheists, and Spiritually Wounded, because you felt called to have these conversations.
0: Yeah, kind of my story was that whenever I had a ton of questions about the faith and I thought, man, I just don't believe in this stuff anymore. There was someone who committed to me, told me in the discipleship journey, told me, you don't ever have to think like me as long as you're honest. And they started having these sort of conversations. And I realized the moment of conversion, going to an altar. I mean, my mom was saved at a Billy Graham crusade. So I believe in those moments. But I do wonder sometimes that in the west when it comes to how do we see people start to have a life with Jesus that might be a process over good faith conversations so that that's why it's a real passion for mine and i will admit i have a bias towards this methodology because it's my story
1: you know, we've all wrestled with doubt. I don't know why we all pretend like we know everything about God. Now, I'm Scott Harold on Esquis Radio. We're talking with author Preston Ulmer today at SWS Radio. He's also a church planner, so he's been there. Starting churches, growing churches, working in the community. And years ago, you started an organization called the Doubters Club, and you really had this heart to foster fresh relationships between Christians and people who weren't affiliated with any religious belief, but it started with a conversation just between a Couple of friends. One's an atheist. One's a Christian, and it's grown into an international organization with branches, you know, all over our country and even around the world, as far as Ireland.
0: Yeah, it's grown to different countries, but we have the kind of the core of it is: if you're launching a Doubters Club, you are modeling friendship and pursuing truth with a person who doesn't think like you. So it could be Christian, Muslim, agnostic. I mean, you can fill in the blank, but there is a pretty clear focus. We're going to model friendship to the community that's gathering. It's never in a church. It's always outside of a church. You know, it could be coffee shop, whatever. Then you have your friend group, their friend group, and then people from the community who have heard about it. And there's a topic they vote on. And that topic then becomes the focus of the discussion. And through that, we've seen that group becomes a group of like messy, uncertain, but committed individuals. And and that's where the life change happens.
1: I was raised in a Christian home, and I was plugged in in youth group throughout middle school and high school, and I was a good Christian kid for the most part, right? And then when I went to college, I was at a state university, and you get those professors that want to throw you a bunch of curveballs, and they send out a million questions, and they don't ever answer any of them, and you start to get confused, and then you get thrown all these different philosophical worldviews and more questions and more questions. And I went to this point where I'm like, okay, do I really believe what I was taught in church? And I want to know that science and philosophy back this up and that there's archaeological evidence for all this, but you don't have time to do the work. And I think that's where a lot of us go, where we just believe something, but we've never really taken the time to do a lot of the research and think deeply on an academic level for it. But when I was going through some of these classes, I had this professor again uh secular school and it was a class called the Bible is literature and so I'm thinking all right cool and we have this professor who I actually don't know what his religious background was it definitely wasn't an evangelical and and so he says we're gonna read the Bible as literature and we're not going to talk about any of the theological I'll tell you that was the hardest class I took in all of college <laughs> I have a business degree I wasn't going to theology school and the guy teaching it wasn't in my safe. Faith background. It challenged uh. me to go dig deeper. And I had a friend of mine, we went to the library and we just started writing out questions that we had about God, about science, about archaeology. We went to our local public library and just started like reading about these topics. And I was surprised at how many Bible commentaries they even had right in my public library to explain a lot of these things. I had no idea that was even there.
0: Oh, yeah. And even in, I mean, The deconstruction world right now of people saying that they're deconstructing the faith, let's just define it as taking apart ideas and practices, tradition, beliefs, based on their foundation of how useful they are and the impact that they have. I mean, that's kind of what people are doing right now. They're tearing it apart and saying, is this useful? And does this have effectiveness in the community? And when you're in an academic setting, you add to that a truth claim, where now they're challenging the truth. Well, of course, there's people that are deconstructing their faith. I think that there needs to be safe spaces where people are asking questions together with others that are not like them. So instead of saying, I'm going to go off, find the truth and bring it back, to say, all right, if God is truth, we don't have anything to worry about because the closer we get to truth, the closer we get to God. If God is not truth, well, then we'll probably need to change some things. And what we find out more and more is when you go on that journey with people, it's not the Christians who go backwards. It would be the atheist that their unbelief starts to unravel and they go, okay, well, if I'm committed to truth and effectiveness and usefulness in the world, then I got to commit to this Christian thing.
1: We all have a passion for God and we know that he's changed our life, but sometimes it's intimidating to just bring up faith to a friend who doesn't have belief in God. And we're talking with Preston Ulmer today at SWS Radio. Preston, what are some of the best discussion starters we can use to ask better questions when we're talking with people that come from a different perspective?
0: Yeah. In the book, I list out what I call the five eyes and they're the five eyes of relationship. And one of those eyes would be initiation. How do you initiate conversations that matter? And one of the ways that I've done that is for me, I'm a reader. So if I've already, you know, worked on the impression that I have with the person and my intentions are clear, I don't have ulterior motives and I've invited them into life. And So if I've done that hard work and I feel like I'm at a point to initiate conversations that matter, what I do is I say, Hey, what's a book that's changed your life? And I just say, I want to read that. And then next time we get together, let's talk about it because I want to learn more about your story. And I said, and then I'll give you a book that changed my life, which isn't by the way, when I slip in the Bible, it's depending on the genre and those sort of things, uh, give them a book. And I have found that sparks a ton of discussion and we also have doubters club leaders that they'll say things like, Hey, let's get a cup of coffee. And they are committed to getting through a whole cup of hot coffee just asking questions of the other person that will build the trust factor. So there's just two ways right there that I think everyone can participate in.
1: Now we're talking with Preston Ulmer today at SWS Radio, and he has a book, it's called The Doubter's Club. It's a good faith conversation with skeptics and atheists and the spiritually wounded, it just released. Hey, thank you so much for your time today, Preston. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Thanks for streaming Scott Harold's podcast from SOS Radio. If if you're one of our regular listeners, would you consider giving it a five-star rating? It really helps spread the word.